hopeful God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Freedom conquered, all our chains undone. Sin defeated, Jesus is overcome. Mercy triumphed when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the stone was gone. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. shall be impossible your kingdom reigns unstoppable we'll shout your praise forevermore jesus our god unstoppable nothing shall be impossible your kingdom reigns unstoppable we'll shout your praise forevermore jesus our god unstoppable Nothing shall be impossible, your kingdom reigns unstoppable, we'll shout your praise forevermore, Jesus our God unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible, your kingdom reigns unstoppable, we'll shout your praise forevermore, Jesus our God unstoppable. Good morning. Welcome to Watershed. I'm so glad to see you all here, and I'm so glad to worship with you all this morning. Um, I'm going to invite you all to stand and greet each other. Um, the question of the day that we came up with was, um, what did you think about the game last night and the results of that? So, <laughs> Go green.
All right. We invite you to continue to worship with us.
the desert You see it through to the end You see it
to faith Cause I know you'll make a way I don't always understand And I don't always get to see But I will believe it I will believe it You make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear And I will preach my doubt you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. I'm standing on your word, calling heaven down to earth. You will find my enemies This will end in victory And I will believe it Yes, I will believe it You make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my Check out this next the story video. After Joshua died, the Israelites began to worship other gods. 
Because of this, God caused them to lose their battles and become slaves of other nations. Each time this happened, God would raise up one man or woman called a judge to help the Israelites escape. But after each escape, Israel would go back to their old ways, not living how God had told them to live. Then they would lose another battle and fall back into slavery. This cycle happened over and over again. At one point, the Israelites were enslaved in a country called Midian. They cried out to God for rescue, and God sent an angel to a man named Gideon to help them. God told Gideon the only way to beat the Midianites was to send only a small number of soldiers, just 300. So, in the middle of the night, the 300 soldiers came to the edge of the Midianite camp, blew their trumpets all at once, and smashed jars with torches in them. The incredible sight and sound this made confused and terrified the Midianites so much they began to kill one another. Gideon and the Israelites chased the remaining Midianites and killed them all. After this battle, Israel enjoyed 40 years of peace. But when Gideon died, the Israelites went back to their old ways, worshiping other gods. So they were captured by the Philistines. God sent another judge named Samson. Samson had long hair and was incredibly strong. At one point, he actually killed a wild lion with his bare hands, tearing it to pieces. The Philistine leaders were afraid of Samson because of his incredible strength. So they came up with a plan. They knew Samson had fallen in love with a woman named Delilah. So they paid her to find out the secret behind his superhuman strength. After much convincing, Samson revealed that his long hair made him strong. Soon after, while Samson was sleeping, Delilah led the leaders into his room and they cut off his hair. With his strength gone, the Philistines gouged his eyes out and threw him in prison. While there, his hair grew back and his strength began to return. One day, while the Philistines were partying, they took Samson out of prison, forcing him to perform in front of them in their palace. While standing between two pillars, Samson prayed that God would give him strength. Then, he placed his hands on the pillars and shook them until the roof of the palace completely caved in, killing all the Philistines as well as himself. After Samson's death, the Israelites' pattern of disobedience continued, and God would need to look outside of Israel for someone who would follow God's ways. And invite the kids to come forward to be dismissed for Sunday school. Good morning, friends. Are you guys awake this morning? It doesn't look like it. <laughs> Is anybody here willing to pray us out this morning? You want to pray? All right. Let's close our eyes. Father God, thank you so much for this gorgeous morning. Um, we just give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. 
as we learn about um, the Israelites and God's people and Samson today, may we just have it open hearts and minds to hear your message and let it penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Well, do I need to ask what Becky asked the kid? Like, is everybody awake this morning? <laughs> no, that's okay. Before we were, um, when we were all practicing and talking around the table as a, as a team, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, well, good morning. Woohoo. <laughs> no, it's uh, certainly good to be together this morning um, to worship God um, to spend this time. We're in our, our journey through the Bible, right? That's, that's what we're going through this school year. Uh, is, is the story. If you've been following along, we're, we're now in chapter 8. If you're following along in your Bible, we're in the book of Judges today. As we saw in our video, this is where we get some interesting stories of people like Gideon or Samson who loses his hair. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is the fact that, you know, really, Judges is more a story of God and how God rescues. We're going to talk about how God uses his left hand of power, not the right hand of power. So, so hold that there. You know, we think of right hand, it's blessing, promise, power, but God uses his left hand. And we're going to, we're going to hear about the left hand of God's power through a guy named Ehud. Wow. Ehud and, and literally the Bible says fat King Eglon. And uh, the Moabite king. So it's going to be a story that is honestly one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. And you might just see why. But uh, as we were thinking about, as I was thinking about the message, as I was thinking about Judges. Judges is a book where we'll see Israel go through this cycle. And we picked up on it as this story video kind of recap for us, uh, the book. Is there's this, there's this, this group of people, the Israelites, right, as we've been journeying along, they're God's people. And, and after the time of Joshua, there was a generation that grew up, and this is in Judges 2, there's a generation that grew up neither knowing God or worshiping God. So this God who had, made, who had saved his people, who had made a promise and covenant with them to be with them, already now, a, a generation later after Joshua, the people had forgotten him. And so with that, God had warned them, if you forget me, I'm going to give you over to the people that you didn't drive out. We saw last week that in Josh, they didn't drive everyone out. And in that, they start this, uh, what we might call, crazy cycle. And that got me thinking, uh, a few years ago, maybe more than a few, you know, this is how aging goes. A few years ago, I don't know, it was probably like 10 <laughs> We did a marriage retreat um, when I was at Maplewood, and, and it was on the, what, something called the crazy cycle in marriage. Uh, Dr. Emerson Egricks uh, talks about this crazy cycle that exists in marriage, and he actually goes on to do this in, in businesses. This happens because ultimately in people, we have either a desire to be loved— he says, more often than that, you see that in, in women, their first desire, um, and again, it's not an over, I, I'm using generalizations here, people, so bear with me. But a desire to be loved, the heart, right? In the workplace, some of our employees desire to be cared for, while sometimes as males, and, and you as females too, uh, and some of our employees desire what? Respect. 
And oftentimes, if we're either not getting the love we desire or the respect we desire, we start acting out. And then when you're not getting it and I'm not getting it, right, it just we enter this cycle. I know this has been true in mine and Kendra's life, and I'm not going to share any stories of how that is um, because, yeah, you, you don't want to know that about me. No. <laughs> but I've learned this in our marriage, that, yeah, my wife wants to be loved, plain and simple. I, certainly this crazy cycle fits me really well. I, I want to be respected, appreciated. Sometimes that's another word for it. And a lot of times when we've had challenges in our marriage, it's because we're not receiving that from each other. And, and all of a sudden, Dr. Emerson Egrex, uh, he's got a fun name to say, but uh, he talks about the fact that when we start to realize that, right, and, and instead of waiting for the other person to do it, Right? We do this surprising thing. We decide to give the other person what they need without getting anything in return. Right? And this actually ends up to be God's way of operating in our life. Right? God calls us to love each other, respect each other, show kindness to one another, because that's what he calls us to do. Not because of anything we get from it. Right, because if all we're doing is trying to be motivated by what we get from it, then what happens when we don't get it? We don't do it. But, but God's way of doing things ends up being like, hey, just do it and watch what happens. And I've learned in 19 years of marriage, if I love my wife, not life is better, right? She's more alive. Right? If I love my daughter, if I care for my son, they come more alive. Sometimes, yeah, I get respect and appreciation that I'm desired. Sometimes I don't. But the conversation isn't whether I do or don't. It's what did God call me to? Right? That changes the whole story. Love, respect. Right? When I give love, when I give respect, when I show care, when I show appreciation, I'm doing and living in something God has for me and has for others. And there's a, the ability, there is a promise, there is a potential for life, right? The crazy cycle gets broken. In order to break that crazy cycle, though, what happens in all that, right? I've got to get on God's agenda. I can't be focused on mine. In the book of Judges, the people of Israel failed to get on God's agenda. Time and time and time again. The very last verse of the book, Judges 21 verse 25 says, the people didn't have a king. In those days, Israel had no king. And every, everyone did as they saw fit. Everybody did in their own eyes what they wanted to do. So on this, this uh, map up here, it shows kind of where the people of Israel had spread out. And then it shows you where all the judges are. In this, I'm just trying to show you the fact that everyone, everywhere in the land of Israel at some point in time did life their own way and forgot who God was. And in turn entered the crazy cycle. Needed God's rescue because 
of the responsibility they bore for breaking the covenant with him. The first judge that I want to look at this morning is in Judges 3. He kind of becomes for us uh, the penultimate judge, the judge who did it the best. Because, by the way, throughout Judges, and when we come finally to Samson, um, the judges get worse, so, uh, and the people get worse. So there's a downward spiral. And it's funny how we celebrate people like Samson and then go, this is like the Christian picture of manhood. When um, you really read the Bible, you don't want to celebrate him. Like, God uses his buffoonery to save Israel. Just FYI. If I could sum up Samson's story, he's a bozo who thinks um, with the wrong part of his body, oftentimes, and when he thinks. And then when he wants to just, you know, have at it with the Philistines, he finally dies. Because God goes, you know what, I'm going to use you despite you. Gideon story we saw. We celebrate Gideon. Oh, he, he, there's a story of 300. God windles the army down to 300 and they win. But you know, he ends up killing a bunch of Israelites who didn't get on board with him. And then he sets up an idol that's, that causes the people to fall and worship idol for the generations to come. Wow, great people. So I'll start with, Ath- Ath- uh, huh. these are fun names, Athniel. And Othniel gives us the picture of what happens, kind of the cycle that takes place in Judges. But he, in and of himself, is the best one we got. So starting in verse 7 of Judges 3. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is the beginning of their cycle, their crazy cycle. They forgot the Lord their God, served the Baals and Asherahs. So not only were Baal and Asherah gods of the Canaanites, but they also come to represent all the other gods of the surrounding nations and the people they were a part of. And remember, God was judging the people of this promised land because of those gods. But here his people are worshiping them. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Kishon and Rishathim, king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. Caleb and Joshua, remember, they were two spies. They were the two faithful ones who said, yeah, let's go into the promised land. So the spirit of the Lord came on him, came on Othniel, so that he became Israel's judge, went to war, and the Lord gave Kishan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Athniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Athniel, son of Kenaz, died. In Athniel's life, we see Israel's cycle. We see what happens throughout this book. That first of all, the people rebel. We heard in verse 7 that they both forgot God and then served other gods. So it was a two-sided approach of the people, right? This God who had saved them in this lower story on, uh, on ground level, they forgot who God was. If you want to see what happens when we forget who God is, Judges is a reminder for us. It's a reminder for the church. It's a reminder for God's people. 
And when we forget who God is, we end up supplanting him and putting something else in his place. We all worship something or someone. It may not be God, but it certainly is something else. Every person is a person of faith, whether we like to say we are or not. Every person is religious in one way or another. We all have our cult, our creed, our conduct. We all have things that we worship. We all have things that we believe. And we all have things that guide our lives. No one of us worships nothing. No one of us is without faith. We are always putting our belief and trust in something. Maybe it's ourselves. But we're always putting our belief and trust in something. For the people of Israel, they said, God, you're not a part of our story. And they worshiped the gods of the people around them, that God had already said, man, I'm going to wipe them out. So what do we see next, right? God's angry. Why? Because he saved them. He gave them this land. Is God upset when we sin, when we break relationship with him? Absolutely. Judges is a reminder of that. And so what does God do? He allows these nations to take over the people. He doesn't stand with them. He says, you know what? I'm going to let you bear the responsibility for what you've done. Oftentimes, that's God's discipline to us. It's not outrightly coming after us. God didn't just open up the ground now and swallow them. He just said, you know what? Here's the thing. You don't want me in your life? Then here I am. I'll be over here. You have at it. And they do, and, and nations overtake. And then what happens? We see that people cry out, Right? When life gets uncomfortable, none, none of us like bearing the responsibility for our mistakes, our missteps. It doesn't feel good. The people turn. They repent. They change their way. And so what does God do? Part of the lower story that we'll see, and this isn't just in the book of Judges. This is our lives. Amen? How many of you would say, yeah, this, this kind of cycle is, is my life? Right? We forget. We lean into something else. We deal with the consequences of it. Hopefully, we recognize it. We turn back to God, and what does God do? God gives his salvation. I mean, one of the good news pieces, one of the upper stories that comes in the midst of this lower story of a crazy cycle of Israel is that God saves time and time again. And what we're going to see is God's saving becomes really creative. Othniel is like the typical right-handed way of salvation. Right? Comes in a way expected. We raise up a leader who's empowered by God, right? We see that here. He's, this judge is chosen by God, empowered by God, empowered by his spirit, we heard. And, and he comes to save. That'd be right hand, right? But what we're going to come to see is God saves in mysterious ways. You already saw it with Samson. God uses a bonehead to free his people from Philistine. Uses a weak, scaredy cat and Gideon, who sets up idols. No, I don't want to be worshipped. But still ends up using him to save his people, and then there's peace. There's peace for years. But unfortunately, when the judge dies, when there is no one to lead them, the cycle starts again, and it becomes a downward spiral. At the end of the video, and every, I think every week it kind of leads us into, but we're part of a bigger story, right? God was always searching out Another judge, a more true and perfect judge for us. I want you to hold on to that. Because now we come to the next judge, Ehud. Again, I'm telling you, one of my favorite stories. 
This one, uh, I'm just going to warn you, might be a little PG-13. Okay, so bear, bear with me here. It's in the scripture. I've told this story to youth group kids, and then they're like students, and they're like, that's not in the Bible. Oh, yeah, it is. Just wait. <laughs> Verse 12. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power of Israel. Now, Moab, mind you, was, was a power that when they saw and heard about Israel coming out of Egypt, they cowered. So it's funny, funny that the cowardness, God allows this, this, this cowardice kind of nation and leadership to come up and take over the people. But he does. They overpower Israel, getting the Ammonites and Amalekites, so get some others to join them. Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The city of Palms is Jericho, the first city that when they came into the promised land, God gave to his people, right? This miraculous kind of destroying of the city. They march around it for seven days, and they cry out, right? And the walls come tumbling down. Well, the Israelites, they were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer. Ehud, a left-handed man. Let me say that one more time. Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gerah, the the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. So already here we hear of this Ehud, a left-handed man of Benjamites, who, by the way, Benjamites uh, are the right hand of God. Interesting. And if we were closely reading, and I, I didn't realize even uh, till this week when I was studying it more, closely reading this scripture, uh, actually Ehud's right hand didn't work so well. So he was crippled. Right? He he couldn't do what most swordsmen, arm bearers, leaders, right? Without your right hand, you're not much. Now, some of you might be going, yeah, that was what like school was, right? Every time I try to write with my left hand, sorry, left-handers, right? The teacher would slap you with a rule. Oh, sorry, we don't, that, that hasn't been done for a while. <laughs> I mean, but really some of the things that happened for left-handers, even in school, But here, God raises up a left-handed man, Ehud. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, so about 18 inches, or from elbow to your middle finger. So I, for my, my sword would be a little longer. But he strapped his sword to his right thigh. He's following the He's got a a right hand that doesn't work. Normally, you'd put your sword on the left thigh. People see a guy who's got a right hand who doesn't work. Do you think they're going to check the right thigh for his sword? No. This guy has no power. In their mindset, literally, to not have a right hand that works means he has no power. He He can do nothing. So their big old King Eglon is like, all right, this is fine. Let this man come to me. Right? The Israelites sent, so they sent Ehud with a tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword, and he, about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Again, in the Bible. 
We're going to see how large this man was. Because after Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us. And they all left. Right? He's not worried about Ehud because he can't do anything. He has no right hand. Well, Ehud then approached him while sitting alone in the upper room of his palace. He said, I have a message from God for you. And at that, the king rose from his seat. Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in in after the blade, and his bowels discharged. Yeah, yeah. See, I've always remembered this. Go back to middle. I first heard this story in middle school. It was great. The sword disappeared in the guy's belly, and his bowels discharged. If you've ever been around somebody who dies, that's usually a reaction of our body. Well, Ehud did not pull the sword out. And the fat closed in over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and he locked them. Now after he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. Right? Whew. Right? They wanted, they waited then to the point of embarrassment. But when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. And there they saw that their Lord had fallen to the floor dead. Now while they waited, Ehud got away. Right? Like, do you get the picture? They waited to the point of just completely being uncomfortable. Like, he can't be on the toilet that long. (laughs) So we're going to go into the king. Like, They could literally die if they embarrassed the king. So they waited a long enough time. But what did that time give Ehud? Plenty of time to get away. Right? And when he got away, he passed the stone images where he had turned around and escaped to to Syrah. And when he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered. For who? The Lord. For the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of Jordan and led, and that led to Moab, and they allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. Why in the world would I tell you this story this morning? Right? Why would I? Lord, love a lefty. Right? (laughs) Big fat King Eglon. (laughs) Because for us, God's left hand of power usually is a display of his salvation and life in ways that we least expect it. 
right? Othmiel sets forth an idea, the right hand of, we're just going to go in and conquer. We're going to do it ourselves, right? It's the human intuition. It's the human power. It's our progress, right? We go, if I just get mad and yell at you more than you yell at me, I will win. If I just demand that you love me, or if I just demand that you respect me or else, right? This is the picture of right-handed power. Now, true, God does amazing things by his right hand. Scripture does tell us we're blessed by his right hand. Scripture does tell us that Jesus sits at his right hand. Scripture does tell us that sometimes from his right hand comes power and miracles. But guess what? God also has another hand. And it's the one in which God does things that we least expect in ways that we certainly didn't anticipate to also bring about his life and his salvation. See, Ehud wouldn't be the only one that God would surprise his people with his salvation with. Samson wouldn't be the last. Ultimately, he would find his true and perfect judge. We're reminded by Peter and 1 Peter of this left-handed, surprising power of God on display. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ. Remember, when we read the word Christ in Scripture, we read the word Messiah. We read the word that king that was promised of God. For Christ, the king, the ruler of all, also suffered once for sin. It doesn't say he came after and supplanted Rome. It doesn't say he, he laid all of the religious leaders to waste and dominated the temple as he dominated the throne. He suffered. A left-handed, unexpected way. The righteous for the unrighteous. God would continue to raise up deliverers from, through dr- judges and would raise up a deliverer for all of us in Jesus. Why? To bring you, to bring me to God. Why do when the people repent and God continues to keep coming and saving is because at the end of the day, he wants you and he wants me. He doesn't want to leave us in the crazy cycle. He can break it for us if we allow him. See, Jesus was put to death in the body but made alive in the Spirit. Just as the judges were empowered, Christ was empowered by that very Spirit of God. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned Spirit, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And it's this water that symbolizes baptism that now saves us also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge. See, that's what baptism is. It's a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you not because of the water, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? The left-handed power of God is a power that would go to a cross for us, would sacrifice himself. The righteous for the unrighteous. What kind of judge does that? 
What kind of judge says, I've got you in my courtroom, everything says you're guilty, but instead of you being guilty, I'm going to say not guilty, and I'm, as the judge, going to take the penalty on for you. Who does that? A God who's not afraid to use his left hand. He's not afraid to surprise us with a crazy story. But in that crazy story, the right hand of God is also prevalent, present. The Spirit of God defeats death, raises Christ from the dead. And, and I, as much as that's a right-handed power, it's also a left. It's surprising who, raises, who gets raised from the dead, who comes back to life. But in him and in his death, in his resurrection, you and I are rescued from the crazy cycle. So we don't have to live over and over again. Sometimes it feels like it though, doesn't it? Right? God is, he's gone into heaven, sits at the right hand with angels, authorities, powers, and they all submit to him. But sometimes, right, our life feels like that cycle. Sometimes it goes through it over and over and over again. But the good news of Jesus is this, is while we may feel that way, in Christ that crazy cycle's over. In his righteousness, in his rightness, in his justice, in his, his cleansing power through his spirit, if we're in his story, that cycle isn't our story anymore. It doesn't define us. It doesn't categorize us. It doesn't leave us helpless and hopeless crying out. We repent, yes. Why? So we can be a part of his life-giving power and presence. So we can be a part of his story. But it's God who saves in unexpected, unintended, and sometimes incredibly crazy ways. Who would expect the king of the world to go to a cross? Who would expect that king to be raised from the dead three days later? And who would expect that king to offer that life to every person on the face of this earth? Even though none of us deserve it. That's God's left hand. Does he come with power? Authority, strength, absolutely. But does he come in ways that are unexpected to save? Absolutely. Last week we uh, ended, and over these next couple weeks, we're going to end in our prayer time with the Lord's Prayer. And part of it just seems fitting over these weeks of this series to, to be reminded, right? Israel, in their story, when they forgot God, that's what kept that cycle rolling. That's what kept that spiral going down. In the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded, and Jesus teaches us to pray first what? To our Father who is in heaven. To the one who sits on the throne. To remind ourselves that we serve someone other than ourselves or any other God, any other Baal or Asherah. And in that prayer this week, especially, we pray the words, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because we need help. And it's okay to say, I need help. 
It's one of the gifts of a community, a, a community we can be to one another of going, yeah, it's okay to say you need help. It's okay to say you don't have it all together. It's okay to say, man, I feel like I've, I'm stuck in a cycle and I don't know how to get out. And it's okay for us to walk with each other into the life and the salvation that God has gifted to us. To together love one another. Be there for one another. Support one another. Right? But in that, being able to say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So I'm going to pray and then again, I'll invite us to share these words and they'll be up on the screen for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in Judges, um, Lord, we do see a picture of what life can be like without you. Israel told this story over and over again. It ends up in the Bible for us because it is a very stark reminder that when left to ourselves, we not only forget, but we, we end up worshiping something or someone else. So Lord, help us to remember. Help us to see. Thank you though, Lord, throughout Judges, even though this cycle continues to go on and on, your salvation continues on and on. And if we're reminded of anything this morning, Lord, may we be reminded of that truth, that your salvation continues to come and come and come because we are yours and you want nothing less for us and from us. You want us to be with you. So Lord, help us to acknowledge those places and spaces where we have either left you or worshipped something else. So that, God, we can receive life. A life you intended from you. And Father, as we think about Jesus and we think about Ehud today, what an unexpected story. What kind of salvation comes through, wow, crazy ways. Father, my attention and hopefully ours is drawn to a cross. You didn't come to be served, you came to serve. You became a servant, you humbled yourself, you became like one of us and Lord, instead of judging us for our sin, you took the judgment of our sin upon yourself. The one who was perfect took all of our imperfection and condemned it. But also in another sweeping, left-handed, unexpected way, you also were raised to life. So Lord, we could also be raised to life. So just as your spirit brought life to Jesus from the dead, just as your spirit empowered the judges, Holy Spirit, empower us to be able to live life with you. Empower us as we live through the challenges of our days. The challenges of sickness. The challenges of even death. Lord, the challenges of those temptations we give into. The challenges of loneliness and hopelessness. The challenges of depression and anxiety. The challenges of, Father, feeling lost. God, empower us. Remind us that you haven't left us. You don't leave us. And we're not alone. 
Father, we pray these prayers, many more to you. And at the same time, God, we remember, Jesus, you taught us to pray some words that aren't just rote words to say over and over again, but they are a prayer that we live into, that we can put ourselves into, we can let lead us instead of simply think that we have it. So, Father, today as we pray, Jesus, the the words you taught us to pray, receive them, and also may they be words that guide us. So if you'll join me in saying these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just invite you to stand with us. We have an opportunity today to respond to God and his left-handed power, how he came, he took the cross, he took our place, and we get to live as the righteousness of God now. So let's sing this together in the name of God.
Never going to forget Ehud and Eglon, are you? The left-handed power of God. The surprising salvation of God for us in Jesus. Praise God for that gift to us. Amen? Praise God that we're not stuck in that crazy cycle. There is freedom in him. Just a reminder uh, for you today, Darwin's going to be upstairs uh, doing budget roundtables. So if you're interested in knowing about our upcoming 2023 budget, uh, he'll be meeting up there. Anybody who wants to chat about that, uh, so you're more than welcome to head upstairs. Otherwise, uh, receive this blessing of our God as you step into this next week, as hopefully you can rest a little bit this week as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind helping stack a few chairs, we'd appreciate it. Otherwise, have a blessed week.